All right, you already got your Bibles, and hopefully you got your pens, uh, and uh, we'll get into the sermon here. Well, guys, as you know, we are in a series on unity, and last week we talked about the topic of fellowship. Um, And hopefully you were able to do your homework for fellowship last week. You were supposed to uh, connect with another person and to just uh, to spend time of true fellowship together, uh, to stir one another up to do good works, to stir one another up to acts of love. And and I know some of you immediately after the service, you found the person you were going to pair up with and say, hey, do you want to meet? Let's do it. And you planned your date. And that's awesome. I loved hearing that. That's really good. We also have dinners for six starting up this week. Last week, all of you hosts, you signed up, and I know there's some more that are going to be filtering through, but uh, the, all the, the clipboards and, and the sign-ups for the dinners for six are out there on a white table in the hallway. Uh, for those of you who now want to attend the dinner for six, write your names down. You can look at the date. I think there's even, if they have dogs or cats, if you're allergic to whatever, um, reptiles, I don't know what you're allergic to, but you can check there. And uh, each line is just one name. So whoever, how many people are going to be coming, write your name, and it's going to be a dinner for six, and it's going to be a dinner for purpose. Now, I want to say this. I know for those of us who are desperate for fellowship, we'll want to write our name on all of them because we want to be at each one of the dinners. I want to encourage you not to do that. Uh, just sign up for one right now so that we can open it up for as many people as possible. This is going to be something that's going to be continually happening, hopefully at Whitestone. Hopefully it'll be an organic thing that just continues. So you'll get another chance down the line to be, attend another dinner. Uh, those of you who have signed up to be a host and you haven't gotten us your date yet, please do this week if you can because we're going to put out more papers for the host of what, when you figure out the date that you're going to do that. So just let us know and we'll get your sheet out there as well. Any questions on that, you can call the office. All right, guys, uh, this week I'm going to bring, it up, bring up a topic that's going to be a real doozy, I'll just be honest with you. Uh, in the area of unity, this is, this is going to be a tough one. It's going to be a hard one. And not that the other ones have been super easy, but this one's going to be a hard one because almost every single one of us have been hurt by it at some point or other in our life. And so we avoid it like the plague. But it's something that I think is so important for us to experience together. And I will say that when we start to experience this happening in our midst, it will be a sign that we are starting to experience a very deep and beautiful unity in our midst. Because what I'm going to talk about today is not just something that just happens. It is a result of God working in our lives and in our midst. And it's a beautiful thing when it happens. And the topic I want to talk about this morning is the area of vulnerability. Learning to become vulnerable with one another. Now, I'll just say this. The very definition of vulnerability itself, when you see the definition, scares the tar out of you. Okay? And you see this definition, you go, now why in the world would I ever want to do that? Because look at this definition. Here it is. Vulnerability is the state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. And we look at that and go, that sounds awesome. Yeah, sign me up for that, Luke. That sounds amazing. And that sounds like it's just perfect for unity. And you you look at that and you go, yeah, and I understand it. I get it. It does sound crazy. But hopefully by the end of the sermon, you're going to see that as we begin to embrace the idea of being vulnerable with one another, we're going to see it's a wonderful and a very powerful thing. 
I will never forget the first time that I chose to be vulnerable in the area of spiritual things in my life. I was around 19 years old. I was attending Bible school at the time, and I was in a room with, there were six of us in the room, so five other guys. And every Thursday night, we would have Bible study, and uh, we would uh, rotate who was going to be leading that Bible study. And it was like any other Bible study you'd go to. You'd open up the Bible, we'd read a passage, we'd talk about it, like, okay, and then we'd like, what does this mean? And we'd talk about it, okay. Then what's the application? We'd talk about it, okay. And then we'd have time of prayer requests where we'd share all our prayer requests, and we'd pray for Aunt Matilda, who's having knee surgery, and it was all over and like Bible study done. And we did that over and over and over again. Each week it was the same thing, but it would rotate who was leading it. Well, it came down the mid or toward the end of the semester, and it was coming time for me to be leading the, the Bible study. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something completely different. I'm going to talk about something that's real in my life, and, and I, want us, I don't want this to be just some wimpy little Bible study where we don't really, there's no life change. I want to talk about something real. And I thought, I, I'm going to be vulnerable for once in my life. And, and, you know, I was a 19-year-old young man, and I struggled in the area of lust and my thought life. And so I, I thought, I'm going to open up about this, and I figured I couldn't be the only one in the room who struggled with that. I'm sure among six guys that there would be some other guys who struggled with the same thing. And so I decided that I was going to be open up, I was going to be vulnerable about what I struggled with, struggled with, thinking that these guys struggled with it too. And hopefully, you know, we would come together as a group and we would really help each other deal with it and really pray for each other so that we could honor God with our lives and our thought life. That's what I thought. (laughs) And so I opened up and I shared, you know, guys, this is what I struggle with. And this is, you know, I just can't seem to control my thoughts. And I'm just, it just messes with me day in and day out. And, and, And by the time I was done, they all just sat there and looked at me and kind of like, Wow, Luke. That's whew, interesting. And I remember the leader of the room, the room assistant, the RA guy, he goes, well, Luke, we'll, we'll really be praying for you on that because that, that, sounds, that sounds bad. And I, I remember just thinking to myself, maybe I am the only guy that struggles with this issue. And, and, and I learned... You know, my first experience of being vulnerable taught me the lesson that I should never, ever be vulnerable again. (laughs) That if you are vulnerable, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get shamed. You're going to be judged. You're going to be, you know, it's going to be embarrassing. And you're going to be left exposed. And it's not a fun place to be. And so I learned in my life to put walls up as high as, I, as they can go because I wasn't going to let anyone in again. It was way too dangerous. And so I can say that without a shadow of a doubt that the definition of vulnerability is very true. Being vulnerable exposes you to the possibility of being hurt physically or emotionally. It's there. And I, and I know I'm not alone in this. I'd be willing to bet that probably almost everyone, if not everyone, has somehow experienced something like this or similar to this in their own life. 
And, and because we have experienced this, we have our walls up as high as they can go because we don't want to be hurt again. I, um, I remember I talked to a woman, she was in my office, and she shared this story that she was meeting with a pastor, and, and she just decided to become vulnerable with her pastor, and she said, you know what? My kids are struggling. My kids' lives are an absolute mess. And she said, my, my son's addicted to drugs and his life is just going down downhill. And my daughter, she's sleeping around with a ton of people. And my other son, he's, he's hanging around with the wrong people. And she's just weeping in her pastor's office. When she gets done sharing her story, being completely vulnerable to her pastor, her pastor looks at her and this is what he says. He goes, man, I am so glad my kids aren't like yours. And that girl, that woman, went whoosh. She put her walls up and she said, I'm never, I'm never going to put those walls up or down again. We, we learn our lesson. But the problem is, is that in doing so, we've created a situation where we really can't ever experience the reality of fellowship and oneness because our walls pre prevent us. And, and I've often wondered what that looks like in the unseen realm where we... we in the, in the unseen realm, this is what it looks like. Michael, could you hop up here real quick? I think in the, in the unseen realm, this is what our life looks like when we put up our walls. Uh, you don't get to sit. Sorry. If you want to hold this, just like this. Right. No, nope, that one. And we walk around, we put up our walls. This is all I could come up with with a wall on the short notice. But we walk around and we put this up to protect ourselves so that you guys see this and you don't see the real me. Okay, if I can get you to focus on the shiny leather and the nice woodwork, you can focus on all this fake facade that I have out in front of me, you don't have to look in at me. Well, Michael's doing the very same thing. And so when Michael and I approach each other, we come up and we bump into each other's walls. Now, we might be able to shake hands and we greet each other like, hey man, that's awesome. But if we want to experience fellowship, we can't because our walls are there. What do we need to do? We need to put them down. So let's say that Michael puts his walls down. Is that good enough? No, because, okay, Michael puts his down, but I come here with my walls, and I'm like, dude, that's awesome you put yours down. I'm not putting mine down. We're still not going to experience true fellowship. I have to be able to put my wall down so that we can embrace in fellowship and experience the oneness that we're created to. We have to put walls down. Give it up for Michael. But that's what Christianity has become. It's one big dance where we're all with our little walls bumping into each other. We're going down the hall, bumping down into our walls, and we're never going to experience fellowship if we got our walls up. We can experience true fellowship only when we're willing to be vulnerable. So while I know why we have our walls up, and I know, you know why we're scared to put them down, I don't think that we can truly experience true fellowship and oneness and unity until they do go down. So we need to talk about that. We need to discuss this. And, and I guess to begin with, we need to talk about the things that prevent us from being vulnerable. And there may be more, but I'm just going to talk about two biggies. And, and the very first biggie, just going to come out and say it, is pride. Pride kills vulnerability. It just does. The thing that is going to keep us holding our walls up and, and, and from being real is going to be pride. Because here's the deal. Pride in our life wants to keep us way up here above everyone else. I'm up here. You're down here. 
And, and if I think like that, I will never be willing to put down my guard because if I put my, down my guard, I'm suddenly going to have to admit that I'm down here with the rest of you. And I don't like that. I'd rather sit here and feel superior to you and feel better than you. So we will do everything we can to avoid the places where we're going to experience this vulnerability. We, we will steer clear of those places and those people because it, causes, it really wounds our pride. And this happens in our everyday life. Like, for instance, when we go to the gym, you know, the places where you work out? You know, those places. We, we experience that without even maybe knowing it. But it's a real deal. You walk into that gym, and the minute you walk in, you're constantly, you're like weighing yourself up against all the people there. You're like, okay, all right, I'm better than him, I'm better than her, I'm better than him, not better than him, I'm going to stay away from him. And we're like, we'll get on the treadmill, and you know, we hit it on low, and we're like, (laughs) and there's a guy next to you. And he's been there for 20 minutes already. You're like, oh, this stinks. I feel like a loser. So you go into the weight room. And you walk into the weight room, and there's this big rip stud there, and he's got those little tank tops where all the muscles are bolted. And he's in front of the mirror, you know, doing this and like this. And you're there with the bar trying to get it up and everything. And you feel vulnerable. You feel weak. You feel stupid. And you're like, oh, my word. I hate being here because I feel like I'm being critiqued. Another place where this happens, it's kind of a weird thing to think of, but another place where this happens is parent-teachers meetings, <laughs> especially elementary class. You'll walk in, and the teacher will have a little chair there for you to sit in, and she's in her big, nice leather way up here. And so you sit down, a 300-pound man sits on a little chair like this, and you're looking up at the teacher. And they look down at you, and they go, so... Uh, tell me, how do you think your daughter's doing? And you know it's a loaded question because you know she already knows how your daughter's doing. So you're kind of like, um, I think she's doing okay. I mean, I'm feeling okay. Hmm. How do you think she's doing in math? I don't know. I think okay. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you tell me. She's like, well, she's actually doing really terrible in math. Do you even do homework at home? And you're like, I mean, I try, but you guys do a way different math than I do. And I, she tells me I'm not allowed to do that. And so, you know, well, at the end of the parent-teachers conference, many times, Sean and I would get back to our vans, not our vans, our van, and we would sit down in the chair. And sometimes, Shauna would have tears come down her face, and we'd look at each other like, we're the worst parents in the world. We feel completely Vulnerable, we feel like completely critiqued and judged, and we just feel like utter losers. We're like, I never want to go to a parent teacher's conference again. For the love of me, give us higher chairs too. So we feel some. And, and we hated that because we felt vulnerable. So because of our pride, we avoid the gym, and because of our pride, I make Shauna go to the parent teacher's meetings, and, and we avoid these things. But we hate those places because we don't want to admit that we're failures in certain areas. Well, guys, it's the exact same way when it comes to our spiritual life. Because of pride, we try to avoid anything that might somehow let people peek into my life and see where I'm failing in certain areas. We just won't go there. And why would we? Because if people see that I'm a failure, you're going to t- you know, take me down from way up here and put me down here, and that's not a fun feeling. 
So nope, I will avoid vulnerability at all costs because of my pride. I want to be up here. Remember that verse we talked about in Romans 12 a couple weeks ago? It says this. It says, honor one another above yourself. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but having an attitude like that doesn't really allow for pride, does it? Because pride wants to sit way up here, you know, and place all of you down here. But God says, no, honor one another above yourself. So tell me, third service, if I place you up here, where am I? I'm below you. Now, here's the beauty. If I'm constantly below you and I'm honoring you above myself... It's going to, I'm going to be in a vulnerable position. And quite frankly, that's going to be a great place to be because I don't have to worry about putting on all this work to try to you know, exhaust myself to hold myself up here because I'm already down here. So guys, I want to encourage you, get rid of the pride in your life so that it will allow you to be vulnerable. Here's another killer to vulnerability. It's fear of judgment. Now, it's my opinion that we live in a society right now where I believe this is at an all-time high. I know it's always been around, but it's rampant in our society right now, and it has led to severe anxiety in our world today. The world lives with anxiety. And I think, I believe that it's because of social media. And I've talked about this before, but we've created a place in the virtual world where it's almost like we're working out in the gym 24-7. Remember how I said in the gym we're constantly critiquing each other and we're feeling like we're being critiqued and so we don't like being there? Well, that's how it is on social media, except that it's constant. It's 24-7. In other words, we join up into these virtual worlds of social media where we post pictures of ourselves and, and our lives with the intention of trying to get others to like us or to see us as having it all together. And when we post something on Facebook or Instagram or wherever, we want to see all the comments and see how many likes we get and how people respond. So in order to get those likes, in order to get those comments, we try to put out the best and the most beautiful pictures we can of ourselves in order to get positive feedback. Look at my life. Look at how amazing I am and how amazing my life is. Look at how beautiful I am, how strong I am. We try to put out this picture of how amazing we are so that people will accept us and like us. But here's the problem with that. When we start to look at everyone else's posts, there's always someone who's prettier. There's always someone who's stronger. There's always someone who has a, a way more amazing life and a way more interesting life and their life's more perfect and more wonderful. And so we sit around here and we just start to compare ourselves to them and we feel more and more judged and critiqued. And so it becomes this vicious cycle. What do we do? We think, oh, I gotta put out better pictures and promote this better picture of myself. And there's no way we'd put bad pictures of ourselves. No, we, wanna, we want everything to look amazing. And so we take 30 pictures of ourselves. <laughs> and we change the background or whatever. They have filters now that you can try to filter this stuff so you can filter all the ugly stuff off and change the contrast and make yourself look amazing. And, and without even knowing it, we have created a society that lives with huge anxiety, all stemming from the fear of judgment, of being compared or not making the cut. I was talking to a dean of students of a Christian college. 
I said, hey, man, how's it going? He says, well, he says, quite honestly, it's, it's been really tough lately. He says, we got about 180 girls, you know, in, in our, our college. And uh, he says, Luke, honestly, about 85% of them struggle with severe anxiety to where there's like talking about suicide. And he goes, and a lot of the boys do too. I said, really? He says, yeah. He says, what do you think that is? And he goes, social media. People are always comparing each other. And there's anxiety with that. Well, guys, guess, guess what? That's true of us in the Christian realm. In the church realm, we never want to let down our guard and be real with each other for fear of the same thing. No one dares be vulnerable because we don't want to be critiqued or judged or compared or looked down upon, just like I was in my dorm room. I can't share what I'm struggling with because what if I do and others reject me or treat me different? So we hide behind our wall, we hold our chair up, and we just go through life like this. And in doing so, we never make any movement forward in our walk with God. The fear of judgment keeps us from being vulnerable. We don't want to go. I've had people tell me, Luke, I don't want to go to Bible studies because what, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? I'm going to look like a fool. I've had people say they don't want to go to Bible studies because what if I ask them to look for something in the Bible and they don't know where that book of the Bible is and they're going to feel stupid and they're going to feel dumb and people are going to look at them like they're ignorant and they just don't want, they can't have that. We hate the judgments. And because of judgment, we keep the walls up. So we avoid these things at all costs and we fake it and we put our false front in front of us in order to, to put out that we are really are super spiritual people. And we simply dance around, bumping into each other with our chairs, and no unity or fellowship is experienced. I want to show a couple of verses to us this morning that I think might help us be able to put down fear and put down pride. And the first one is this. It's in James 4.10. You've probably heard this verse before, but it says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Now, what is this verse telling us? It's telling us that we don't have to hold ourselves up here. We don't have to do the exhausting work of trying to always be above other people, higher than other people, mightier than other people. No. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be humbling ourselves before the Lord. We have to keep ourselves down here. And if we do, notice what happens. The Lord will lift us up. Now notice, tell me, who's doing the heavy lifting? The Lord is. We just focus on being humble and he will lift us up. I love that. Humility is the key to greatness. So we don't need to exhaust ourselves trying to hide our failures and, and hide our weaknesses. We can just be real. We can be humble and the Lord will take care of lifting us up. Amen? Second verse, Romans 8, 1. Many of you guys have heard this one. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. What is that telling us? It's telling us that no one can condemn us. No one can judge us. No one can critique us. No one can reject us. Now, they can. They can do all those things. But here's the deal. Those judgments don't stick if you're in Christ. They don't have any power. They aren't true. They're lies. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You want to know why? Because Jesus took our condemnation. Jesus took our judgment. Jesus took our rejection. 
so that we don't have to carry it, amen? And here's the beauty. You're part of the family of God. You are in the safest, most wonderful position you could ever be in. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. And listen to me. I want you to hear this. I want you to bask in this. Know this amazing truth. God is for you. Amen? God is for you. The creator of this universe is for you. I love that. And like it says in Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? The rest of the world might be against us. Who cares? God is for me. So what does that mean? What does that mean? It means let go of your pride. Let go of your fear of judgment and bask in the reality of who you are in Christ because doing that is going to allow you to be vulnerable with others because you're not going to be afraid to show your weakness. You're not going to be afraid to show your failures because whatever words these people say to me, it doesn't change who I am. I am a child of God. And God is for me. And so put down your fear and put down your pride. Listen to me on this. They serve no purpose other than to destroy you. It's a simple truth. Listen, I say this all the time, but I don't think we fully grasp it or comprehend it or live it out. But here's the deal, Whitestone. We are family. We're family. We are brothers and sisters. And listen, the sooner we understand that, that we're family, the sooner it is that we will be able to be real with each other. You know what I mean? Family is one place that you just don't hide your faults. You can be real. You're the real deal in a family. You might be able to fake it in general public, but your family knows who you are. Your kids know what character you have. Your spouse knows what kind of character you have. In fact, several years ago, um, I approached my family, sat them down in the living room, and I says, hey, guys, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I said, I want you to weigh in and just tell me, how am I doing as a father? How am I doing as a husband? And all cards on the table. I actually thought I was going to get a good report card or else I probably wouldn't have done this. I thought, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be good. I'm doing good. And so I'm like, how am I doing as a father? How am I doing as a husband? And my kids kind of sat there and they looked at each other and looked at me and my daughter goes, uh, Dad, you're kind of an angry man. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm not an angry man. I'm like, yeah, you are. And the other kids were like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm an angry guy. And I looked at Shauna. I said, Shauna, am, am I an angry guy? She goes, actually, you are, Luke. Yeah. I can't hide it from my family. can't hide it from my wife. But here's the beauty. My kids knew I was an angry man. My wife knew I was an angry man. But guess what? They still loved me. Because that's what family does. We love each other. Listen, Whitestone, I want you to understand we're family. And we can be real with each other. We can be vulnerable with each other. We can let down our guard and share our struggles and our hurts and our failures. Why? Because we love each other. And you know what? We know God's not done with us. And we're going to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. But all of this has to be rooted in love. Let me explain what I mean by that. I'm going to kind of go about it backwards. But to be vulnerable with someone means I have to be able to trust them. Okay, that's pretty simple. That's pretty self-explanatory. It's obvious. I will be able to be willing to let down my walls when I'm able to trust that certain someone. I trust that they're not going to attack me. They're not going to come after me. They're not going to judge me or wound me while my walls are down. I trust them. Well, trust leads to vulnerability. 
But how do we come to a place where we trust someone? It's very simple. When we love them. When we love someone, we will trust them. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians. It's always read at weddings, but here's, here's the verse. We read it a couple weeks ago, the very first sermon of this series. It has this little phrase. It goes, love, always, trust. How much does love trust? Always. always. What does that leave out? Nothing. Never. Love always trust. Guys, when I love someone and I know they love me, I know I can trust them because love always trusts. So let's follow that progression. To be vulnerable with someone means I have to be able to trust them. And to trust them means I must love them. So all of this is rooted in love. Love is the foundation. That's why love was the first sermon of the series. Loving one another starts the progression. And when we make this progression, there's going to be an authenticity to this relationship that's going to be precious and beautiful. And here's why. Because vulnerability leads to authenticity. Because you don't have to fake it anymore. Amen? Faking is exhausting. Isn't it the most wonderful thing to be with a friend who you don't have to fake it? where you don't have to put up the walls. You can be real with that person and you know they're being real with you. Man, that's a beautiful thing to experience. And Whitestone, I want that for the Whitestone family. I want us to be an authentic, authentic church family where you walk in through those doors and you know that you are entering a place where the people there are for you and you're for them where you walk in through these doors and you don't have to put on a big song and dance and perform to feel like you fit in. You don't have to pretend anymore. You know what the world says about Christians all the time? That we're hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? It's a pretender. Let's stop pretending. And let's be family. Let's be authentic. Let's learn to be vulnerable with each other. Let me wrap up the sermon with the final verse that I want us to see. It's in James 5, 16. It goes, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And you read that verse and you go, wait, what? Confess your sins to each other? What is this verse telling me? It's telling me that I can come to you and I can put down my walls and I can be real and I can literally confess my failures, my weaknesses, my sins and notice what the outcome is, what the result will be, that you may be healed. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Guys, listen, I want you to know that having a friend or a group of friends of brothers or sisters in Christ that you love with all your heart and they love you with all their heart where you can come to them and you can confess your darkest sins to them and be real to them knowing that they're not going to judge you, they're not going to condemn you, they're not going to wound you while your walls are down. Rather, what they're going to do is they're going to circle the wagons around you and they're going to pray for you. Let me tell you, there's no greater thing than that. And I'll tell you, deep, deep healing flows through such a relationship, but that only comes through vulnerability. And guys, when we continue to be vulnerable with each other more and more, it creates a connection and a bond more and more that cannot and will not be broken because love is at the root of it. 
And why can I say that? Because love, it always protects. It always hopes. It always trusts. And it always perseveres. Love never fails. Amen? Amen. So let's love each other. And let's be vulnerable with one another. And let's experience a deep and a powerful unity in our midst that only the Holy Spirit can bring. Amen? Here's our homework. Now, you're going to look at this homework and you go, uh-uh, Luke, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but I want to challenge you. Step out of your comfort zone and really attempt to do this. I want you to find someone that you love and you know they love you. And I want you to be vulnerable with them. I want you to be willing to put down your walls and to share a struggle in your life, whether it be a weakness, a recurring sin, a failure in your past that maybe no one knows about, and let go of your pride, let go of your fear, let down your walls, and be real with this person. And ask the person to pray for you, to pray forgiveness over you, and that, ask them to commit to do so, so that you can experience healing. Now, I'm going to talk to the person who you're on the listening end, where somebody is opening up to you. I want you to abide by these rules, and I mean it. This is a very precious moment when somebody does this. And you do not, when somebody has their walls, you do not go and attack them and say, ooh, I have the upper hand. Boom, I'm going to nail you. You do not do that. You do not judge. You do not condemn. You do not criticize. And most of all, you do not tell anyone else. Simply listen to them. Pray forgiveness over them. Hug them and love them. And you're going to experience a pretty amazing moment when those things begin to happen. And then when you've experienced I want you to go and I want you to journal with Jesus about this experience and what you, what you felt and how, how it all went. Okay? Do this homework, guys. And you're like, uh, Luke, somebody else will, not me. But I really want to challenge you. Being vulnerable is a very powerful thing to do. I know it's scary, but it's powerful. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for my third service family. I thank you for their lives, and I thank you that you, you promised that you began a good work in us, and you're going to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. So, Holy Spirit, I know that you're working in every single one of us. So, God, I pray for a oneness and a unity that you, the Trinity, experience in our midst here at Whitestone. God, I pray that we might be willing to set down our pride, set down our fear of judgment, and that we'd be willing to put down our walls and be vulnerable with one another. And may we love one another because love covers a multitude of sins. And I pray that this might begin to happen in our midst in a powerful way. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Guys, I, I love you so very, very much. Have an amazing day. Enjoy the sunny day out there. Try to shake as many hands on the way out. And we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs>